You're listening to your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast with David and Kay. and one, triangle and two, the six and six. I present to you the 2019 NBA champs, the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> you called it, you called it. Your hometown team, first uh, NBA champions outside of the United States, which um, obviously would be the Toronto Raptors yeah. eventually, you, you would think. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing game five and amazing game six. Like those two games are just... It kind of reminiscent of 2016 when the Cavs and the Warriors were kind of going toe for toe. The difference, I think, is that in that year we yeah. sort of knew who was coming out of the East and oh, the West. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In this case, I don't think at the beginning of the season anyone predicted the Raptors no. um, were going to make it to the finals. Yeah, even. for sure. I mean, they had a really tough path if you think yeah. about it. Yeah. And Warriors too, because they dealt with a lot of injuries. To be honest, they looked a lot more vulnerable than they have in previous years. Because he assumed that after the regular season, that um, they'll rely on the main guys, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and DeMarcus Cousins if he didn't tear his quad. You assume that getting to the playoffs, they'll just play championship basketball. They have it in the DNA, but injuries derailed them a lot. And they still persevered and got to the finals. For the Raptors, they faced a tough Philly team that we've both agreed on paper, they're pretty stacked. They yeah. faced the MVP in Giannis and were able to make sure he's not in his most effective form. They won four straight against the Bucks. But every game was pretty tight until the third quarter when they just distanced themselves. Like they kind of took off in the third quarter. And then the Raptors then go on to face Warriors. I got, I got, a, I got a question. And Uh-oh. there's no sympathy. There's yeah. definitely no sympathy. no sympathy. Because the Warriors, to be fair, have had their, their luck as well when they've faced injured teams. And when, uh, actually back in 2015, they were asked Steph, do you feel sorry for the, the Cavs or something like that? It's like, well, you know, why should I feel sorry? Like, it's not my fault that, that they got injured. Luck you can't, you can't. is always a part of basketball. If you go down lo- that line of reasoning, what you end up with is, well, we weren't lucky enough to get the number one pick every yeah, year, yeah. and therefore we don't have a roster yeah, to yeah. win the championship. Yeah, right. So injury is always a part of it. And yep. that's why you need superior medical staff, Toronto, you need superior players, and you need health, and you need a lot of luck. You need lucky bounces. You need people to come through, and you yeah. need to stay healthy, especially yeah. over a course of multiple runs well, uh, into the finals. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors have been that, you know, they've been the epitome of, of all those things you just said. I mean, they've made five straight finals, and I guess the wear and tear of all those playoff games pretty much account for an entire extra season. I mean, LeBron's been through it. LeBron's been pretty much extra two seasons, the amount of playoff games he has played. So we'll kind of go through it. And I mean, there's a lot of, there's a slew of injuries that the Warriors faced. KD went out against Portland, was it? Yeah. Against Portland. He yeah. went out against Portland. He came back for the one game in game four, or uh, game five when they were down 3 1. Let okay. me ask you first, yeah, what okay. did you think of the last game? Did you feel that it was inevitable that the Raptors were going to win? Yeah. Or did you think, well, you know, it's close enough and Golden State somehow, some way is just going to come through again? It's close enough and anytime Steph attempts to shoot, I assume it's going to go in. It wasn't a pretty game and both teams committed turnovers, especially towards the end. Like, that's why I had visions of 2016. There was just some things that just went... They weren't clicking right with both teams. 
So Danny Green just panic and throw it out of bounds, basically. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, but even if you look strange. at that replay, Pascal yeah. Siakam, for some reason he jumped too early or just his hand was closed or something. Like it was a bit of it was more of Danny Green's fault, definitely. Yeah. But I feel like Siakam could have caught it. Van Vliet was open. He Van Vliet was, was open, but he would have had to throw across his body, which would have been hard right. to throw. Um, and Danny Green was already kind of lunging that direction, so yeah. it would have been really hard for him to like chuck across his body. Obviously, Demarcus Cousins, like you can tell that he doesn't have that lift. Because he suffered yeah. that quad injury. So there was a lot of times that he would try to go up and Serge Ibaka would just block him easily. There was and, a lot of blocks. And you just think like, oh, you feel like kind of like, oh, he's lost it. But you have to remember, he suffered a torn quad. Even though Steph was playing the entire game, basically, yeah. and Clay went out, Clay still finished with the h- highest points. And if KD didn't come back and they went on to... You know, win game six and win game seven. If that, if they kind of pulled off that miraculous comeback, you would probably give it to Clay Thompson in this in this case. I think he hit the two big threes when they were down um, in game five, when I, Kawhi went on his MJ run. I think they would have just given it to the open man. The issue, the the th- advantage that they would have had was. They, Raptors couldn't have just defended stuff like that because if you no, I true of course they they there. doubled him a yeah. lot. But what I'm saying is. Steph didn't have his defining moment. Like even yeah. when um, in Game Five, when they made that comeback after Kawhi made his like Jordan run, and then Nick Nurse called that timeout, mm-hmm. and then they went on a nine-point run. It was Clay that hit two key threes. Yes, Steph gets a lot of defensive attention and it doesn't get the shot off as easily, but Clay is one that hits the shots. In this game, he hit thirty points already by by, th- by the third quarter when he got injured. Yeah, he got injured at the end of the third quarter. End of the third quarter with yeah. about two minutes left to go. Yeah, and then he came back. Even though he's to- toys ACL oh, yeah, and hit, a, hit two he, free throws. Hit, hit two free throws. Fuck. He's a hero. Um, just so everyone knows, if you are injured and you can't take your free throws, you're not allowed back into the right. game. You have to at least hit your free throws. Then you can go to the locker room to get medically treated. And then you can come back to the bench if right. you recover. Obviously, a torn ACL means that he can't come back. But he didn't know at the time. He didn't know at the time, obviously. Yeah. He probably still had adrenaline. He wanted to hit the free throw. And he was actually, um, they caught a timeout, and he was walking down the hallway to the locker room, and then someone had yelled out to him, like, hey, yeah. if you get treated right now, you can't come back to the game. So Clay tr- trotted back onto the court, hit two free throws, and then exited. Steph had his chance to cement himself as, like, the guy. Mm. And he is the guy, don't get me wrong, but a lot of... There's a lot of criticism about him not being able to rise up to the moment. And unfortunately, those questions are still, they still exist, which is, I don't know, it's understandable because he's six foot three, he's a slight dude. He doesn't have LeBron's build. He can't just bully the way he's, he can only rely on his shot. And if his shot doesn't fall, then it's too bad. But that's how his game is built. If you want to be considered one of the best players of all time, then you need to hit those shots. What happened was this. KD goes down. Yeah. Clay, who's playing really well, he yeah. goes down. Yeah, really well. Steph was like, oh shit. Yeah. This finals MVP, it, it's it's now fallen into my lap. Yeah. And he wanted no part of it. He wanted no part of it. He, he, the, the finals MVP is Steph Curry's kryptonite. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I actually don't blame Steph for not taking over. And people say that he came out small. I don't think so. Without Steph, the, the, there will be no offense from, mm, of course. from the Golden State Warriors, right? Yeah, of course. So he misses a shot. Okay, that's fine. He's only missing the shot because literally... Throughout for, in forty eight minutes, all all the attention's on him. He's yeah. constantly being double, double teamed, teamed and yep, hit. Sure. 
So of course he's going to miss some shot. That's that's okay. Mm. That's okay. So I don't see that as a slight against him. Actually, the difference with Steph is that he's a smart player. So he's a winner. He's going to do what it takes to win. But I think the difference is yes, he's smart, and yes, he knows um, the like how to make the right plays, and he's one of the most talented scorers the NBA has ever seen. But the difference is when the moment has come for him to take that shot, he takes it, but he's never gotten it. And unfortunately, regardless of the attention and regardless of the narrative or regardless of in, t- in the context how he's being defended, he misses a shot. That's how he's going to be remembered. It's only after we get the results that then we go and nitpick yeah, the, of course. the story or the evidence to support the results. Yeah, true. And I, I can't believe I'm defending Steph. I don't even like Steph Curry. <laughs> but I just feel like, you know, there should... I think you're right. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm not giving Steph an excuse, but let's be real. Steph is an all-time great player. Yeah, of course. No one's debating that. He's an all-time great player, period. Like, there's no there's no asterisk. There's no, like, oh, he's a great-time player except in the finals. No, no he's yeah, always yeah. a great-time player in the finals at any point. I don't want Steph to be on the court. I'm, not, I'm definitely not debating he's not an all-time great player. What I'm debating is... Does he deserve conversation to be like a top five player of all time, a top three player of all time? Oh, well, you I, get into that yeah, category well, that's, that's, if you hit those shots. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, that he does all these things because basketball people know that he he demands this attention yeah. because he's that good, and he's that good because he's an all time great. But when we start talking about how close is he to proximity to LeBron James, how close is he to um, Michael Jordan, how close is he to Kevin Durant? If he wants like to that. approach yeah. that conversation. He needs to hit those shots. Those are the things that will um, build your res- resume as an, the, as one of the best players of all time, as opposed to an all-time great. I think there's that distinction. Fair enough. Like Scottie Pippen is an all-time great. Does Steph want to be just one of the top fifty players Steph, of all time, Steph, which he is already, or does he want to be a top five player of all time? He might still be a top five player. He might be, time. and it's not over his career. Like he can still make finals. He's defined. He's changed basketball. He's changed it a lot, but a lot of the best players of all time have changed basketball. I think we're kind of burying the lead because the Raptors have won That's what I'm saying. Like, champion, talking about the fucking... The championship. Yeah. And I do actually want to touch on those injuries later because it does impact mm. how the Warriors move forward. The Raptors won the championship. Do so you want to just touch on Kawhi Leonard winning the finals MVP? Do you want to touch on the free agency plans? Or do you want to touch on the fact that no one was drafted high... There's no one on that team that was drafted higher than Kawhi Leonard at... 15th. This team was made up of undrafted players, second rounders, guys that were uh, built off the scrap heap. Kawhi Leonard was one vote away from Yanis yeah. um, MVP, but Van Vliet, who I Van remember, I, I, te- I texted you. Yeah. I was like, Van Vliet. He's saving this game. Yeah, if, if this was just based on this one game, Van Vliet would have won MVP. Full disclosure, I, I was uh, hitting the, the Twitter at your FVFP, very hard saying, calling for Jeremy Lin to replace Van Vliet in early uh, in the yeah, series. Yeah, early in the series. Or early no, in no, the last, playoffs. Last series, yeah. I think, was this the Philadelphia series? I think in Phil, the Sixers series. Yeah. He scored in that entire series a total of 14 points. Yeah. He couldn't make any shots. I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Does yeah. he have, is this a Raymond Felton inf- uh, situation where he has something on the organization, we think, and that's why they're keeping him in? He couldn't make anything. The Milwaukee series, and certainly this series, it's almost like you're getting a different player. He's definitely averaging like 15 points in, yeah, definitely, in this yeah. in finals. I right? would imagine so. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, the, the opposite is happening to Danny Green. Danny Green was playing really well in the regular season. But I, I feel like ever since the playoffs started, he just misses so many easy shots. Like He probably hits like one out, out of every eight shots. 
He's had a couple of good games. Yeah. Um, and I rate Danny Green. I, I rate like, him too. I like, I like but Danny. But just for some reason, this this playoffs overall, he's disappeared. Hmm. And he's still a part of the rotation. And uh, if, you know, he he usually starts the game, but he doesn't finish the game. The finishing uh, squad is Van Vliet, Lowry, Siakam, uh, Gasol, and Leonard. That's yeah. the finishing. Or Abaka, give or take, depending who's playing better. Beginning of the season, I didn't know any of these players. Other than Lowry and uh, Kawhi, yeah. basically. And Serge. But I didn't even know he was like... I forgot that he was on the Raptors. Yeah. Just the fact that if you look at their, their roster, it's like he says, just a hodgepodge of, of random good players or former great players coming together. But then as they went through the playoffs and as I was watching all the Raptors game through the, throughout the playoffs, I felt like this team has been together for a while. Mm. It really has gelled. I give 90% of the credit to uh, Masai Ujiri, who engineered, I assume, engineered most of these trades. Like you said, getting Marc Gasol, who just fit seamlessly into the team. Um, Jeremy Lin, like he didn't play much at all in the playoffs. The locker room but locker plus. room presence, yes, you're right. Just, uh, just gr- great for the chemistry of the team. And I was actually watching when they were doing the... Um, the final celebrations, like the on the podium, like Jeremy, everyone was celebrating each other. Like there was no kind of man left out. There was no ego, almost like every because there's no ego because Kawhi Leonard has no ego. He's not he's not the guy that demands the spotlight. Or, he didn't he didn't even get the trophy in the beginning. He's standing in the background, <laughs> and I re- I remember like um I think it was uh Siakam was grabbing it first and yeah. like they were gonna hand it across, and then I think it was Masai Jury who like kind of asked for the trophy and gave it to Kawhi. You can only see it because they, inter- they were interviewing um, the owner of the Raptors, but like, Kawhi didn't even ask for the trophy first. Like, he just was standing in the background. And that's, I think that's just really beautiful, this, the way this team is built. Okay, so I want to ask you, this is my first question to you yes. now. It was not my first question, but Kawhi Leonard, where does he go? Before the season, I thought there's no way he's going to stay with the Raptors. Yeah. Throughout the playoffs, even I, even when you said if if the Raptors win, you said he probably won't. Before winning, it felt it felt like oh, this is just a rental player. He doesn't have any sort of ties to Toronto. But after winning it, even as a fan, I feel like he's part of the story now. How could you leave the Raptors? You're he is the Raptors. Yeah. I wish that he stays with the Raptors, but he's earned his the right to, to go wherever he wants. Yeah, of course. I don't believe in this whole, like, players have to, like, stay or sign even sign contracts. I feel like they should be able to go anywhere they want at any time. Um, I don't know how that will work. Yeah. But I feel like it should be a job. There's, you shouldn't be, like, there should be a contract which forces you to stay at, at a yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because situations change. Yeah, of course. And a lot of those players have play options that they can opt into. Marc Gasol, Carl uh, Lowry... Obviously, Van Vliet will still be there. You still have um, Siakam. You still got Anubi. So there's a lot of plays you can build around. And if you think you're confident that this team would be still one of the favorites with Kawhi Leonard, there's every reason from a competitive advantage or competitive uh, viewpoint for him to continue playing in Toronto, especially to build on his legacy in Toronto. Obviously, he's already, like you said, he's like the legendary Raptor already. But a side of me just feels that he's had this storybook season. He's had this magical fantasy season that can never be recaptured. It's just he, he, he's obviously, he owes nothing to anybody. But even the Raptors themselves who kind of gave him this chance and gave him the time to heal, 
Um, he won them a championship, so the Raptors obviously also can't be can't feel betrayed by you know. No, I don't moving, feel betrayed. I, I wouldn't feel. I betrayed. think even Raptors fans would agree that if Kawhi Leonard did move on, he gave you guys a chance. He gave the city of he gave Canada a championship. For, what for more sure. can you ask for? No, you can't ask for anything. Even if he didn't make it uh, to the finals, because he was so dominant, we were saying, well, even if they lose to like the Sixers, like what else do you want from this yeah. guy? He's done everything, and he was he injured as well. He's been injured throughout the playoffs. Would it affect Kawhi if he found out somehow that um, Anthony Davis is now in LA? Mm. Does he want to go compete with that team versus the East? To me, it, I like to me. The difference between Kawhi and LeBron James to me is LeBron James is fixated on his legacy. Mm. He's just like crazy to build on his legacy, and he wants to be the goat. To me, Kawhi Leonard doesn't carry anything. He doesn't. He doesn't think about that as like a guiding factor in where he wants to play. Like if it's going to be easier to make the finals in the East or the West, he just wants to. I imagine talking to him close. Uh, I'm really good friends with him. We. Oh really? Yeah. All, I message him all the time. I'm like, hey, Kawhi, what's up? You've been having this uh, conversation for months and months. Yeah, months and months. Yeah. About. It's a uh, pretty one-sided conversation. A, we talked to Kawhi about basketball uh, and and life, really, life, yeah. and, and faith, faith, and his faith. But I feel the most important thing for him mm. is playing somewhere where he's comfortable in his own skin. Right. He wasn't comfortable with the Spurs because they mistreated him, misdiagnosed him, oh my didn't God. respect yeah. him. He goes to Toronto where he's kind of already spoken openly and after the shine of winning the championship, how the Raptors gave him the resources he needed to mm. heal properly. And give him and and manage his load, so he didn't have to play every single uh, every single game. Mm. He was able to take games off. He was able to rely on a lot of other players that were able to step up, and you know, despite Kawhi's absence, win games. Um, so he had that support. He had that trust in his teammates. It's a trust in the management. He feels uh, comfortable in Toronto. Can he replicate that that feeling of familiarity with another team? Yeah, possibly. I think that a lot of a lot of um, teams now that have that know the blueprint to taking care of Kawhi and making sure he's happy. San Antonio did the San Antonio way, and that wasn't Kawhi's way, so Kawhi wasn't happy. I think any team that will sign Kawhi will have to follow the Kawhi blueprint. Now, given that what's happened with these injuries and Kawhi, do you think people now will look at San Antonio slightly differently? It's always hard. It's like you always want a scapegoat, right? You always want to say like, oh, San Antonio is like the old school way. Like they don't know how to deal with these new age players and stuff like that. Like they only deal with old school, hard-nosed players. Like you think of San Antonio, you think of like Bruce Bowen, Tim mm -hmm. Duncan, like managed nobly. They like they just play through anything. And when you got this like young guy, fun guy, Kawhi Leonard coming in, I got this injury and then they questioned his injury, questioning if it was real or not. He got upset, understandably. I mean, he's like, I'm injured, right? But for a long time, they just, like, they played the old school way. They didn't know. I think San Antonio, just like any other organization, will learn from this. But unfortunately, they just get a scrutiny because they dealt right. like, with this situation. Right. It could have been any team, really. Yeah. Maybe except some, I don't know. There's some teams that are more advanced and more forward-thinking. Um, but I'm sure San Antonio have learned from this. They know how to take care of better care of the players. Also, you, you kind of use that same argument against the Warriors. Do you think the Warriors medical staff would be fired? I think there needs to be investigation into... There definitely will be some kind of... I think there will be because something doesn't add up. I it's think. It's fucked up. I agree with you. Do you want to give your thoughts on that? 
Well, let me tell you this. Let me reveal this insight I have. Okay. I'm not claiming to be a medical professional. Take your word for like, it. I, I know how to use Google, okay? Advanced search, people, advanced search. <laughs> doctors listen up. <laughs> doctors. <laughs> Don't be too proud, just Google it some, once in a while. Yeah, yeah, teachers gotta teach. The leg is in one system, a sequence of, of joints. And even though you can have a quad, which is not necessarily, mm. it's a different part than your Achilles, mm. because it's all one part of one system, Damage to one can affect the other. And I'm sure you can find many uh, medical professionals who say, well, that's not really true. They're totally entirely different things. If you have a quad injury, you're, it's totally different than Achilles, right? It's got nothing to do with each other. And then there's others who say, say different things. The point is, you don't really know. So because it's not an exact science, the best practice is probably to be on the side of caution. Yeah. And I think in this case, for both Clay as well as KD, they were rushed back way, way too early. And I'm not saying the doctors said, well, it's actually maybe not safe, but I just wanted to win, so I'm putting them in. I don't think it's necessarily a conscious thing. I think just subconsciously, when you want the, the reality to be a certain result, you almost like think it into existence. Mm. And then when you go ask these players, they're gonna say, yeah, I feel good. I feel good enough to play. But really, we don't really know, right? You can't see inside the legs. It's poor decision making, and I, I think someone needs to go down for this. If you're a CEO of a company, yeah. I'll say a big oil company, and there's a massive oil spill, you get in trouble as CEO. Yeah. You didn't cause the oil spill. It's not like you put a hole in that ship, mm. but you have to take responsibility, and sometimes it means that you go down. The results speak for themselves. This is, I think, too much of a coincidence. I think there needs to be an investigation, whether by the league, by someone, to review the decision making process that went into clearing these players. These players cannot play unless they are cleared by the medical staff. It's not good enough for KD saying, I wanna play, you must play me. Yeah. No, they must be cleared by the medical staff. I, I totally agree that they should have an investigation and as a result, they should review the decision-making process of injured players um, any time of the year, regular season or playoff time. Uh, and this is obviously a really dark tone. And I think, yeah, this, this is what kind of makes it so confusing, this whole injury news and stuff, because we, on one hand, we got the Raptors that won the championship and it should be happy times, mm. especially you as a Toronto, from Toronto. But then we got this really ugly side and it's kind of like marred. Is that absolutely, the word? Like absolutely. marred the whole finals because we got the free agency uncertainty. But then we also have all these injuries to his Warriors players and the murkiness around how and why they were brought back before they really should have. And yes, you would say they were down 3-1, they needed the star players. Um, but I think those questions arose, at least from the media, like that was filtering the information to us um, fans, because the Warriors were never really transparent about what the injuries actually were. And because they were never really um, transparent with that, there were a lot of speculation that, yeah, and you heard this all the time, Katie has nine days of rest, he'll be back for the finals. Or Katie's actually being, um, will be brought back game three or game four. Or Katie will definitely be back game five. This would have been quieted and this wouldn't, uh, and this would have all been, you know, put to rest if the Warriors organization and medical staff just said straight up, Katie has this injury, he's gonna be out for this amount of time. But because the media weren't sure, they kind of kept putting pressure on KD. And because the media filters all this information, it was not only KD that was hearing this from the media, but it was also hearing it possibly from his coaches or from his teammates. There was an article that came out that said some teammates questioned 
how injured KD really was. We obviously know now, uh, with hindsight, he was fucked up. He wasn't. He was not right. He should not have come back. He played well, but that doesn't mean he was not se- still seriously injured. But I'm saying I'm actually questioning the the whole medical team there, the medical evaluation of it, because that should be independent of what the media is saying or what the the team is saying. And 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 I um, I agree. I I think it probably is. What I'm saying is how that how how that team then uh, filters that medical diagnosis to the media or to PR or whatever, it wasn't, that, that communication wasn't uh, translated. Let me put it this way. Do you think it's just pure bad luck and coincidence that these two players who suffered both knee injuries then a couple of games later had basically the number one and number two worst injuries that could that can befall a basketball player. Yeah. Is that pure coincidence? Maybe it's pure coincidence. Could I'm be. not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. But I, I, I agree with you. Maybe that medical, yeah, maybe there needs to be an investigation into how that relationship is between the medical staff and the, the coaches or the management. And because I'm, it does feel like, and what you're saying is I sort of agree with you, but it's a very nefarious accusation, is that there was pressure from the management to rush KD and Clay back onto back into action. That decision making needs to be reviewed. If they found out that there was mistakes made, then someone needs to pay for those mistakes. Yeah. It's not good enough to say we've made mistakes and we'll learn next time. Yeah, yeah. There's no next time. You can't turn back these injuries for KD and Clay. I well, think this is very serious. I think some. Yeah. Then I do agree with you with that point. But what I'm saying is, to me, at the end of the day, the medical staff is employed. Um, by that organization. And I think it's a bit naive to think that they won't get influenced in terms of mm. what's an acceptable percentage, if we will, if we put in a percentage in terms of healthiness, what's an acceptable percentage for them to return? Some, if, if they were an entirely independent body, their probably acceptable percentage of healthiness is 100%. If you're not 100%, I'm not clearing you. But because they're employed by the Warriors, maybe their idea of what's healthy was skewed to 60% or 80%. Yeah. So maybe KD was 80%, maybe it was 60%, maybe it was 0%, who knows. But he definitely was 100%. And maybe at that point, when KD was at close to 80%, there was like, okay, he's, the risk of him tearing anything serious is much lower than it was you know, two days ago or five, five days ago or two weeks ago. And they went ahead, they said, okay, you're, you're medically cleared. Maybe they said as a caveat, Hey, you're not 100%, you're 80%, there's a chance you could do this, this is the worst case scenario, but you, you know, these are your options, but you're clear to go if you want to play. And Katie's like, fuck yeah, I want to play. Unfortunately, the worst thing happened, and like you said, because of the worst case scenario that he's going to be shelved for an entire year, um, jobs will be at risk. If the investigation reveal other, like even worse than that, then there'd be more than jobs at risk. If this was a hospital, regardless of which hospital, like if you'd fuck up and kill people, and people die or patients yeah. get bad results, you're liable for that. There's I, punishment for that. I guess the difference is that's life and death, and this yeah. is professional sports, and competitiveness is an intangible thing that you can calculate. You can talk about clearance rates, you can talk about who said this and who said that, but if Katie wants to play, yes, there's going to be someone that's going to veto that. But if Katie, the best player in the world, wants to play, it's going to be hard to say no that he says, I feel great, I want to play. The medical profession, professionals are mm. held to a higher standard. I can't go to a doctor and go, okay, you can in- increase the dose because I can take it. The medical doctor is going like, what? Okay, you're not going to, like, I'm going to ask you how you feel, but ultimately 
I'm the expert here. I know, that's the objective thing, but I'm saying clearly there wasn't yeah. that level of objectivity in this circumstance because he was led back to play before he was 100%. Right? And I want to be clear, I'm not saying that the Warriors actually did anything wrong. Yeah. They could have done nothing wrong. And it just... What I'm saying is it's not good enough just for Bob Myers to have this weird press conference, cry. dry tears, fake cry his way through and say, we've made mistakes. Yeah. What did he say? He said like all this like fucked up things like, um, basketball is people. <laughs> like what? Who, who's asking you about what basketball is? Okay, what are, you, what are you talking about? That's not good enough. I need an investigation to see what is the decision making process so that this doesn't happen again for other players in the future. And it could be that the Warriors did everything right. It's not good enough for, from them. I need someone else to go in and actually check this. No, I, I agree with you. Um, Just uh, on that, did you watch the Bob Myers? Yeah, yeah I did watch what, it. What was your reaction there? Uh, I think he was contrite. I think, oh, he, I, think, I think he was actually felt bad for KD. But like you said, feeling bad and crying is not enough. Well, he didn't, there's no tears. He just fake cried. His yeah, but you through. know, he, like, what the he was, he was, he was visibly upset. He's probably upset because he thinks he might be going to jail, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. No, I, okay, I, I don't want to throw that out there. But uh, you, know, what I was, I, you know what I'm I, saying? Not good enough. Yeah. I'm not I, even a Warriors fan. I'm watching that makes me mad. I'm like, that's not good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like just fucked up the careers of two players. Yeah. And this was before Clay uh, came back and but that's, Yeah, I, 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 I totally understand what you're saying. And from an objective standpoint, that makes me angry too, that you would put someone at risk like that. Yeah. But this isn't... Sometimes we're not dealing with just a bus, business mind. It's a human sport. It right. deals with humans that have different emotions and different desires. And when you kind of bring that into play, it becomes extremely unpredictable. And like you said, the Warriors could have done everything right. He was actually medically cleared. Yeah. And like any person could just play like Paul George and one day just snap his leg. Right. It was not because he had a pre-existing injury. Right. Sometimes, and like Clay, like you said, the, the leg is one thing and he had that like, um, like quad injury or something. Like yeah. he had some kind of injury to his leg before. He landed badly. Like you saw that replay, his leg like kind of twisted underneath and his knee buckled yeah. and then he tore his ACL. Like that stuff, Sometimes it just happens out of nowhere, and you could be of perfectly healthy form. Um, so yes, it could be a coincidence, it could be just bad luck, it could have been uh, medical staff not doing their job. It could have been so many things, and I agree, that's why you need to have this investigation um, to look into it. Whether Bob Myers is at fault, or you, know, you look at the coach, Steve Kerr, or you look at the medical staff, you look at um, all the way up to Joe Lacob, S someone will probably face fire for this, but I think what is kind of missing maybe from your analysis is these are human beings that are involved making human decisions and the worst case scenario happened and sometimes you pay for it but you can't, sometimes you can't help it. Like sometimes you make a human decision that you think is the best, you have the best intentions, you thought that you were making the right choice and it fucks up royally in your face. But we just have to make sure I know, I know. And we that's why I agree with sure. you. I yeah. agree with you. But I just feel that you might be too objective in this case, which is probably right, which is probably the right way to look at it. But, you know, like I said, these guys, you know, they, they, they do, do, sometimes they're just doing it for themselves. Hmm. And that is probably wrong, but, you know, some people just do it for themselves. Where well, do they go from here? Clearly, they have two injured players that will be out for a long periods of time next season. 
Um, the Warriors have actually said that they will, they intend to re-sign both KD and Clay to five-year five-year max contracts, yeah. which is the right move. Um, and I think, yeah, like, yeah, I think that's the right move. You just sign those guys; they're injured, but you owe them so much. And they yeah. si- initially signed deals that were kind of less than what their worth is. Sign them to the max, make it right. Maybe that shortens your ability to sign other impact players. But you won like three championships already. Like mm-hmm. you, owe, you owe it to them to give them the max. Yeah. And they won't, they won't try to be cute with the contracts either. Like if if Katie and Clay they're do decide not. to come back, mm-hmm. uh, the Warriors will be happy to give them the max, even if they're out for a year next season. They should be begging them to take the max. And that's the other thing. Um, just even earlier today, uh, Bob Myers. Yeah. Who I'm not a fan of. By yeah, the way. fair enough. Yeah. Not, not a fan. He was being interviewed about the contract situation, okay. and he was kind of like, it was not that he was dodging the question. He was just saying that, oh, you know, I'm not sure what I can reveal, and I can get in trouble by saying too much. Yeah, which like, is probably but, fair enough. But how can you get in trouble if you said like about your own players? Uh, about your own players, and yes, of course, that is the number one priority. By all means, we we will do whatever it takes to re-sign these two players. Mm. He did not say it. Like that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of uncertainty because, yes, from my viewpoint, the Warriors would be all but happy to... Mm. I mean, sorry, just just be ecstatic if they got KD and Clay back, even if they're not at 100%. But from Clay and KD's angle, I don't think one of them, at least, don't, might not want to return to the Warriors. Mostly KD. Like Clay, they said if they offered five year max, he'll he'll come. He'll back. sign. His dad also confirmed that, right? Right. Right. I think KD it's and it's changed. Like the injury, right? If this wasn't the playoffs, his timeline was probably two months to say. Mm. Like his his cough injury is probably two month um, shelving uh, period. He tried to come back in one month, which is probably too soon. Instead, with the Achilles tear, he's now out for was it nine months, right? Or a year. It's going to be a year. Let's Probably a year to be safe kind of thing. Yeah. Nine months in minimum, a year to be yeah. safe. So that means he'll be out for the entire next season, including the playoffs. Yeah. He probably could go for the money. I'm, I'm thinking this ahead. I haven't actually thought mm. this out before. But he could stay with the Warriors because they'll sign him to the most money and give him the extra year. He gets one less year if he signs with any other team. He only gets a four-year contract. And his max will probably pay him about 35 mil per year as opposed to like 40 million with the Warriors. If he doesn't go for the money, he will go to a team where he feels that can treat him medically, like give him the best medical treatment. And to me, New York would probably be the best. And that was the case before, but mm. I think it's also reinforces now because he got his surgery done in New York. In New York, yeah. He actually got his surgery done by the same um, foot specialist that did Karis Levert's um Surgery yeah. and Karis Levert and KD have that um, working relationship. They worked out like in summers. They've trained together. Whether that connection means he's going to the Nets is is obviously extremely fluid. But I think in terms of medical treatment, New York would probably be the second best place or the equal best place to go apart from California, mm. where he stays with the Warriors. Mm. But it might be New York. Maybe New York has those marketing opportunities that will give him more money in, at the end of the day. Who knows? I think the other interesting thing with KD's free agency is that there's a lot of rumors, obviously, that Kyrie is pretty much fully intent on signing with the Nets. He's fully, I'm and so the sorry. Nets themselves are prepared to sign uh, Kyrie. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. And uh, Kyrie actually switched agents recently. 
Which means he's not going to LA as well. Yeah, he won't go to LA because LA is clutch, clutch sports, right. which is there's LeBron a James. Rivalry. There's a rivalry between yeah. those two It's agencies. like East and West, and yeah. Rock Nation is more like East Coast. Oh. So it seems like Kyrie is going to the Nets, and if Kyrie can recruit KD to come to the Nets and say, hey, look, they got, they got the medical staff, yeah. they got the front office, they got the coaching, they have the young players, we got you in, you know, and in, uh, you know, healing, getting the best treatment, you know, living in New York, you know, what's better than that? And you don't, and you don't have the pressure to come back in a year because this is still a young team, and I'm 27, and Kyrie's 27 years old. There's still a lot of, um, you know, room for growth. There's still all of that. There's, and there's no pressure too because Katie's going to come back next year. You don't have to win because you don't have all the pieces in 2020. You could win in 2020, 2021. That would be the pitch from Kyrie to Katie. I'm liking to join this. the Nets. I'm liking this. this. That's a strong pitch. Yeah. Thank you. That's a strong pitch. Yeah. Because I'm going to. Because you said, I'm sorry, I feel sorry for you. And I agree because Irving with D'Lo and with any well, of these. They're not going to keep D'Lo if this happens. Like, sure, sure, but. Fine. Then Kyrie with any of these young players is pretty much a poor man's like Celtics, right? Like they're not better than the fifth seed with Kyrie and these young guys. No, 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 no. Like those young guys in Celtics are much have a much higher ceiling than the young guys in the Nets and in uh, Brooklyn. But you get KD, and if KD can even return at eighty percent in two thousand twenty-one at a thirty-two-year-old KD, that is probably still a top ten player. You add Kyrie, who's now twenty-eight years old. And um, you know, is just embraced the whole culture of Brooklyn, and you know, is back home. He, he feels familiar. He feels at home. He feels at peace. Well, that's a dream scenario for any team, right? Because that's that's more than the sum of its parts. Oh yeah. Because sure. I feel that elevates Kyrie yeah. in a way yeah, that's exactly. way different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've seen how Kyrie plays when he plays with another superstar player. Yeah, yeah he pouts. <laughs> <laughs> but more, but more mature in Brooklyn in, with the Nets, I think will be a different Kyrie. Hopefully. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Kane. I just want to say my final words is congrats to the Raptors. You called it, David. We're going to go out to lunch. I'm going to shout you uh, your prize. All skill, no luck involved. Um, no, I, 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 I give props to you. you. You chose the pretty much a perfect bracket in terms of you know how the Raptors would get there. Like you, I even give you credit. You said the Rockets should, oh, would win in six. You probably should have gotten that, to be honest, if James Harden and Chris Paul didn't choke so hard. If there's one thing I learned throughout our podcast, I am actually a, a basketball genius <laughs> and simply did not credit myself before. And you also said Messiah Jury should it. be, fi- should be uh, oh, yeah, uh, fired. <laughs> oh, yeah, we don't talk about those. <laughs> we don't talk about We those. should revisit those early predictions again as playing. And also, I think coming up at some point, I-, I need to really dig deeper and we need to have a session, a therapy session for you about why you seem to gravitate to these terrible relationships you have with loser players. <laughs> Whether it's a John Wall, you told me John Wall was a great player. I didn't say, uh, yeah, I think he's a great player. Okay, okay. I rest my case. I rest my How case. How is he not a great player? What has he done? He's done nothing. He has I'm done not saying no he's winning. won any accolades. He's, he's, I think he's made an NBA team. He's great. He's great. But So you just say he's great. Oh, you just sorry. literally said he's great. Winners. I'm looking for winners. I'm looking for oh, Clay Thompson. There's a difference. I'm looking for Clay yeah, Thompson. Yeah, Clay Thompson is okay? different. He's a winner. He tore, John Wall tore his cleats the right way, making a donut run to <laughs> <laughs> Don't Krispy Kremes. <laughs> okay, we need some sound effects for that. Uh, like falling down the stairs sound effects. <laughs>
flipping a banana peel. We actually don't even know how he injured himself. Like seriously, we, he like injured himself while he was still. He injured himself when while he was still injured. injured yeah. He was out injured. <laughs> and he wasn't playing. Clay re-injured himself because he was fucking scoring thirty points in the NBA Finals. <laughs> fucking god damn it. But I have, a, I have a slight theory about why you gravitate to these players. I think you play too much like NBA 2K. And you just look at these like player ratings probably. That's probably anyway. fair. Anyway. That's probably fair, cool. Until next time, listeners. See ya. Bye. Kane, we're here and we have breaking news. Anthony Davis finally got traded to the Lakers. So the trade goes, Anthony Davis goes uh, from the Pelicans to the Lakers in exchange for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks, which includes the fourth overall pick in this year's draft. I feel like this is less than they were offered in February. Right. Yeah, because you're right, because Kuzma was um, initially pegged to go into that trade as well. But for some reason... They- and Zubak. And Zubak, right. But they didn't have as many. Oh, maybe they did, yeah. And also um, picks as well. And they, and they offered just as many first-round picks. Yeah, the picks as well. Um, I mean, obviously, holding out Kuzma was a pretty big move on Palinka's part to hold him out. And I think it talks a lot about how they feel about Kuzma. Because they were willing to part with Ingram. They are willing to part with Ball. Obviously, those three young players are not on even standing. They probably believe Kuzma is the best player that can deliver a championship. You know what I mean? Like maybe Ball Ingram has high potential, but right now Kuzma is the better better player. AD now team up with LeBron James and potentially two of the top five players in the league, plus the ability to attract another star player to you know come via free agency. There's chatter that um, Kemba Walker is the top target. Oh boy, so I love Walker, it. Kuzma, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. That's probably a championship team, especially with uh, Warriors in in doubt. Uh, the Nuggets, can the Nuggets take the next step? Uh, let's see, you know, it's it's possible that those guys like Jamal Murray and Jokic could take a further step up and become better stars. I, I respect the Nuggets, but that team is no match for like LeBron with AD. And if they get Kemba Walker... I don't think it's over though. I'm not like, I'm not as bullish as the Lakers' chances of winning than the Warriors. No, no, of, of course. Like, Warriors have a championship team now. The Lakers have a bunch of new great talents, which we have to see how, how things go. And there's always going to be a little bit of drama. You know that's going to happen. If they can attract a Kemba Walker or they can get a Bradley Beal, you have a big three. Plus, after getting the big three, you still have a young, a great young talent like Akuzma. Plus, you'll be able to then attract a lot of veterans. Yeah. I wouldn't count the Nuggets either, to be honest. I know they don't have the star power like the Lakers, but they've been... They kind of have the similar trajectory as the Warriors were before they won the first championship, where they were a young team, they were built together, they won a lot, they just continually every season win more games. Last season, they made the second overall, they had the second overall seed. You don't know what some of those guys, and Jokic was within the MVP conversation, you don't know how they might take the next step. I, I agree with you, I doubt that they can challenge the Lakers or even the Warriors if the Warriors had KD, uh, Clay back, sorry, but... I'm just saying that they're part of that whole top four in the Western Conference. They're the top four. That's very respectable. But I'm talking about the finals, baby. But like you said, this is a new team. LeBron has shown that he doesn't win in his first season with a new, like a new great team. Uh, it takes him a while. It takes him at least a year to gel. 
Um, it takes him a while, even within the regular season for him to, you know, start winning games. It's not an automatic thing for LeBron James and his teammates. And as good as Anthony Davis is, I've seen him play live. He's great, but let's just see how he goes. Let's just like I'm not I'm not ready to call it yet. And it's very much dependent on if they can sign another max player. Yeah, Kemba Walker is um, definitely a target that the Lakers are trying to get. Um, so obviously, because of this trade, there's a lot of dominoes. There's a lot of teams that got affected by this trade, and obviously, there were a lot of other teams that were involved in AD, the eight, like AD sweepstakes, if you want to call it that. Um, but I want to start with the team that's directly involved, and that's the Pelicans. The Pelicans obviously did not get better by this trade, but they got younger, and their culture might be ha- might have a more positive impact as a result of this trade. When you say who lost, I, I don't include pe- uh, the Pelicans in that group. Because they were always going to lose AD. Losing AD is not losing. It's about what they get back. And if they got nothing back, the fact that they landed Zion Williamson means that they've already won. Yeah. So they've lost AD for nothing. Let's just say AD, they got nothing back. But they landed Zion. That's a win. That's a big, big win. That restarts your franchise again. And the, the, assets, the assets that they got back... I like it. It's good. These are good assets, especially if they flip them for someone else. Because we know that maybe Ingram or slash Lonzo, maybe they don't want to stay and play for the Pelicans. That's okay. Trade them somewhere else and get something back. Uh, And certainly the fourth pick, that's valuable. There's some value attached to that. Um, And there is a lot of teams interested in the fourth pick, apparently. And I could see a trade uh, kind of happening between the Wizards and the Pelicans where Beal could be traded uh, to the Pelicans for Bohr, Ingram, and the fourth overall pick, which I think is a pretty good trade package if you're the Wizards and you want to just restart as well. Um, you know you have War, you can't do anything about War's contract, but maybe you can start again with the young guys with Bohr, Ingram, and that fourth overall pick and just go from there. And Beal, join Beal, you, get Drew, you have Drew Holiday and you got Zion. That's not a playoff team yet, but... That's a pretty good team. It may be a playoff team. It would be fringe. It would be fringe. But I mean, AD was on this team last year and they couldn't make the playoffs. And they haven't made the playoffs for a long time with AD, except for the two years, two seasons ago. Now, we said that the Pelicans didn't lose in this, but there's certainly a lot of losers around the league because of this move. We know the, the goat of losing is the Knicks. And I think they, they came out the yeah, biggest loser. Yeah. So regardless of whether or Knicks not... Knicks are the biggest losers for sure. And that happened as soon as the draft lottery was announced and they did not land the number one pick, AD. That was the biggest loss right there. Second loss was KD getting injured and that puts his move to the Knicks in jeopardy. I think it's unlikely because I think KD would only go to the Knicks if he was able to play with somebody else. But the fact that Kyrie has already committed to Brooklyn and AD has now gone to the Lakers... And Zion obviously is not going to get drafted by the Knicks. Kevin Durant would have to go by himself. I, I just don't see that happening. And he's not playing for a year anyway. So so I think that it's the potential silver lining here for the Knicks if they can land KD. Is that KD goes there and he's already injured so he can't play. So then they can tank for another year. Yeah. Save some money and yeah. get a high draft pick. Yeah. And then overspend uh, in the next two years, over the next two years, from the money that they saved the this problem year. Is, this is a, the problem is, you're, you're right, you're right in principle, that we would be saving a lot of money, but realistically, there aren't any free agents the caliber of Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving coming out in the next couple of years. 
the only free, the best free agent coming out next year is Anthony Davis. And the most, more, the most likely scenario is Anthony Davis is re-upping with the Lakers. Otherwise, the Lakers wouldn't have made that trade. Like, just like Boston. Boston was involved in that AD trade, but they weren't willing to give up Jason Tatum. They were kind of hoping that they didn't have to give up Jason Tatum because that might have been the sweetener to keep Kyrie Irving in town if they were able to trade for AD and keep Jason Tatum. Obviously, the Pelicans didn't want to be involved in that trade. Tatum wasn't involved, so they went to the Lakers route. So the Celtics are also a bit of a loser here because now, yes, the silver lining is they keep the young players, but they lose out on AD, and now they definitely lose out on Kyrie. Let's not forget, the Celtics have Gordon Hayward, who's a max player, and who's coming off from injury, but potentially can reclaim his previous form. I mean, this team made the Western Conference Finals without Kyrie. Well, okay, those days are gone probably, right? I mean, that's a magical, that might be a magical run. This is a perfect example of addition by subtraction. You take away Kyrie and instantly your team gets better. By taking away Kyrie, you're also motivating the other players to step up. And I think, you think Tatum's like, don't want that? I think Tatum was like dying for this opportunity now to, to really get back and show him like, oh, now I'm back on track. I think it would have been much more dangerous if they gave up Tatum, brought in AD only to have Kyrie leave and then AD leave a year later. Then they would have had nothing. So, I, I mean, I don't think they're not a winner, certainly. At the end of the day, they did not get AD and they did not, and they lost Kyrie essentially for, well, they didn't give, that, they didn't give up that much for Kyrie, but still a competitive team. No, they, oh, they traded, uh, yeah, for Kyrie, they traded, um, what's his name again? Isaiah Thomas and <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. Uh, eight, the eighth overall pick. This is what happens, Isaiah, when you block us. Sorry, you block me. When you block me, we forget about your name, okay? Please, but please, unblock, <laughs> unblock me. I, I need, I need your Twitter. <laughs> I regret it so much. I take back what I said. <laughs> my energy is only at six. Not a good day. Not a good day. My energy is at six. <laughs> now that AD is going to the Lakers, how does this change things for the Nets, if at all? The Knicks now are not, we just said they're the big loser here. So by, by virtue of that, the Nets already, without any moves, have elevated themselves. They've elevated themselves from the standpoint that Kyrie Irving has made a, at least, has made it known around however he's done it, that he wants to go to Brooklyn. And actually, there's a report that after KD got out of hospital, he's in New York City right now because he, he got surgery done in New York. After he got out of the hospital and staying in his hotel, he met with Kyrie Irving to potentially discuss oh, no. <laughs> future plans. Oh, now what, I'll say this. What are they doing? Why that is interest why the AD why the AD trade is notable for the Nets is because now the AD is not with Boston, there's no chance that Boston will resign uh will have a chance to resign Kyrie basically. That means Kyrie and KD as as in in regards to all the reports that have come out for a long time now is that these two dudes want to play in New York. The two options in New York and both teams have max space, or t max uh, space for two max contracts is the Knicks and the Nets. Why I'm optimistic as a Nets fan that those two guys will come to the Nets is because Kyrie has made it quite known for a while, at least for past few weeks now. And it's all fluid. It's always going to be fluid with Kyrie, but at least the past couple of weeks now that Kyrie would prefer to go to the Nets and he likely he's trying to recruit KD to come to the Nets as well. Also, what is um, notable is 
if Kyrie goes to the Nets, there's a report that D'Lo will not be kept at any... Like, even if they only got Kyrie, D'Lo would not be part of this team. Um, they've come to terms in regards to those guys being a defensive liability as a backcourt tandem. And as a result, could there be a possibility where the Nets do a sign and trade for D'Lo to, say, the Suns and get their sixth overall pick? And then we get, the, we get a sixth overall pick for D'Lo and then maybe packaging that sixth overall pick and some young guys for, I don't know, some other style player. So D'Lo's contract is up, but, the, but how's that? What? How can, what kind of free agency is that? So you're a free agent, but then you can still be traded? He's a free agent, but he'll be signed. As in, the team that will pick him up will have to uh, pick him up based on the contract that the Nets give him. So he will be signed. He'll be signed under the Nets first, and then immediately he'll be traded to another team. But why wouldn't he just sign for another to, to the team that he wants to go? He could, but the Nets, because he's a restricted free agent, the Nets have the right to oh, okay. sign restricted. him. Okay, restricted. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Sorry. Anyway. Can you just explain to me, like, what's the difference? How, how do you become an unrestricted free agent? Okay, I guess it's pretty complicated. But the basic channel is, after your rookie contract is over, you become a restricted free agent first. So that means your original team has the right, or if you get traded within your rookie contract, but when your rookie contract ends, the team that you're on has the first right to match any contract that you're given. So Jeremy Lin was gi- um, given, um, was a restricted free agent after he finished Linsanity. And the Knicks had a chance to match the Rockets offer of like three years and $25 million, but they didn't want to match that. So then he went to the Rockets. In this case, D'Lo has quite a bit of value. And, I'm sh- and there's a lot of teams that are interested in him. So there's a trade market that's bubbling for him. A lot of teams would be willing to um, accept his max contract because even if, say, the Pacers um, offered a max contract to the, um, to D'Lo, the Nets could match that and then trade him to <laughs> use that contract to trade him because a lot of a lot of teams are willing to take D'Lo at the max. Right. So this is a mechanism uh, to help the team that signs the the rookie that drafts a rookie to to have a right to retain them. Uh, basically a, a slight advantage over other teams. Yeah, yeah. Or a huge advantage because you can basically match any offer he gets. And especially if that dude's a max player, then you just, you know, you just sign him, just match the max offer. Doesn't matter. So I'm just trying to process, is D'Lo, how many teams will be willing to, to pay quite D'Lo? I think I saw quite something, a lot. but definitely... Isn't that a no-brainer then? If they let him go, then they get nothing. Even if they didn't get KD, they would match D'Lo and trade him anyway, right? They don't want those two together. That, that's become clear. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So even if they didn't get KD and they kept Kyrie, then, or they signed Kyrie, then they would trade D'Lo for something else. Yes. Wow. Man, the Nets really. <laughs> okay. It, it's actually caught me by surprise how, how well positioned the Nets are. And I'm not saying they get KD, but I'm saying. Even with like a 25% shot at KD and the fact that they have D'Lo now as he's upped his value so much that now they're going to get some assets back for him. That's, that's amazing. Actually, that's amazing. It just would cement my Nets fandom, I guess, because as you know, the Nets have not been a good team for ever, basically. I'm a bit conflicted because I don't want to look like a bandwagon fan. Um, you know, I'm a day one, right? I've, I've, been, I've been a Nets loyalist since the 2000s yeah you've been loyal to them since jason kidd was beating his wife no okay let's not 
Then you need to <laughs> Sorry. It's not that type of podcast. I got to class it up a bit. Potentially Katie and Clay could return next season. Um, maybe they, you know, lose in the second round of the playoffs next year and then they come back with a full force. They'll probably be favorites with that four, you know, with those four guys. If Draymond then resigns. But just remember, if this if they sign KD and Clay, those will be for max five-year contracts, right? Correct. Then Draymond will be a free agent next year. So they'll be signing Draymond to a max. I doubt Draymond will accept anything less than the max because he deserves it as well. They're already in luxury tax just because of those guys because 35%, 35% each times three is more than 100% already. So, And then they have to fail out the bench and they got to fail out the other guys. They'll be very, very, they'll be very, very deep into the luxury tax, even without Draymond. Well, at some point, it, they, it just can't go on because uh, I think they would have been, they would be repeating like repeater tax, right? So by a time of like the second or third year of That's that, the point, yeah. That Supermax contract, I mean, something would have to change. Otherwise, this will be like a $1 billion team. Especially if they keep Draymond. Yeah, so yeah, especially if they keep they're Draymond not going to keep well, Draymond, so. I don't think. If, if they have KD. Without KD, they keep Draymond. Yeah. It's like one or the other. In terms of what we know is KD and Clay are definitely out next year. Even if they re-sign with the Warriors, they're definitely out. Steph will play, but Draymond, like you said, is his last year of his deal. If they don't want to sign him to the max, they'll trade him for something. So this could be Steph, Quinn Cook, uh, Andre Ugudala, um, Demarcus Cousins if he returns on like a mid-level exception deal, and I don't know, um, Jordan Bell, Kevin Looney. But Kevin Looney is also free agent too, so he could get some money elsewhere. Um, so this could be an entirely new team that could actually miss the playoffs especially if they tra- decide to trade Draymond. Yeah, that, that's possible, which I think may not be a terrible thing. It, it might be the reset that they need. Um, and in the process, test a lot of the, the next generation of support players. But just remember, um, like you said, they miss on the playoffs. Yes, they do a reset, but they still have Katie and Clay and Steph under Supermax contracts. So you're still paying luxury tax money for a team that um, is not playing at that l- championship level anymore do you think that the owner is going to keep footing a bill for luxury tax and repeater tax money if they're not play if they're not built for championships so if you feel like you want to continue winning championships then this is what you must do this is it's clear there's no other way he should be like you know uh praying to god for his good luck the fact that he has the rights to to pay these players uh, to keep them right but saying that, that's only, that's only from a purely basketball standpoint. I think from a business standpoint, they might think a bit differently because an extra championship or two is not going to necessarily offset the value of, or the, offset the cost that it will cost for them to, to add and retain these players. I think the difference between three championships and then four championships and five championships, the extra value that you get becomes, starts to become incremental. But your cost base, yeah, for sure. it's getting amplified double every time or with every like repeater tax. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So at some point, the math just the math doesn't work out anymore. Um, so they'll have to innovate a bit, maybe on the business side. Whether I don't know what that means even, um, but I'm just saying they have a new arena. Maybe they have to do something innovative in order to open up other uh, re- revenue streams somehow. I and I just want to point out too that, and we've mentioned this in previous episodes. But if you do decide not to pay Clay or KD and let them go because they get too expensive, there is nobody in the world that you can replace them with. 
And when the Warriors originally drafted Steph and Clay and Draymond, those guys weren't considered top five picks or, you know, Steph and Clay were lottery picks, but they were not considered superstar players. They've become superstar players, but in all the, like, the, the, the luck that the Warriors had to have to get these three guys, like, together and it's just beyond imagination. The Thunder experienced similar luck when they drafted Harden, Kevin Durant, and Westbrook. But for whatever reason, um, they that, that, that team didn't stick together. The reason is $4 million. That's the reason. Right, right. Harden, yeah. But the Warriors stuck together, and the Warriors developed together, and then they were able to recruit. Um, well, first they won 73 games, and then they recruited KD. It was just a perfect mesh of luck and talent and timing to enable this run. You're not ever, like, it's, it's so rare that you're going to be in a 2021 draft or something that the Warriors are going to be able to pick up the next Steph Curry. Like, who is the next Steph Curry? No one knows because Steph, that, that dude is like never going to be on the scouting report in terms of this guy is a can't miss prospect. There is no Steph Curry. That's why in the history of the league, we only had, we've only had one Steph Curry and then he's changed the league. I mean, how many Michael Jordans have we had other than LeBron? The fact that he just floated this idea that the Warriors will not give Clay his super max, that to me is criminal. If that happens, I would encourage the citizens of San Francisco and Oakland to file a class action lawsuit against the Warriors for malpractice and negligence. I mean, what else do you want from Clay? I, I'm not I'm not a Warriors fan. I don't I didn't care about Clay or Steph or any of these players. You should be praying to God how lucky you are to to land a player like that who has sacrificed his career and his body to, to in order to to play for you like this. Let me ask you this. If the Knicks do not land anybody, what what do they do from here? Cuz they have they have the money. They have to they spend. Go young. They go young. They got the third overall pick. They go young. So you say they, they'll just spend enough to meet the minimum? Yeah, whatever the minimum is, they just spend, yeah, they just spend enough to get to the minimum. Um, but they stay, they stay young. They build this, they build the culture the right way. Like, uh, I think maybe you've hinted at it, but the front office, Scott Mills, um, who, who's the coach again? Oh, David Fisdale. Fisdale. Yeah, Fisdale. Um, Fisdale, by all occasions, is a great coach. Um, so they are a great nucleus of um, decision makers to kind of build out this team the right way. Um, if they get the third overall pick right, and RJ Barrett, hopefully he turns out to be a good player. Knox, we'll see what he can do. Um, Alonzo Trier, Mitchell Robinson, these are all guys that have been pegged as guys with good potential. Um, I don't know what free agent they will sign, but I don't think they'll give a four-year contract to like a guy they don't believe in that can, you know, take him to the next level or can build for the future. Like, do they believe in Tobias Harris as a guy that maybe, I don't know, like that's up for their sort of organization to make, you're shaking your head, but who knows, who knows? And um, I guess Kemba Walker, is he that type of free agent that would make them a better team for the future? Not right now, but for the future, once they build out the team, is Kemba Walker a piece that they can rely on as like, hey, we've got the point guard set we now to need to fill those other positions. You know what I mean? So I think they go the Philly route. They just keep building young. They build up assets. And then one day they'll make the play for the superstars. Maybe not this year. 
Hopefully not this year because I want them to go to the Nets. Like the way you've described there, that's not even, this is not this decade maybe. This is like the next, after the next five years, which may be a good route, but they have they have never done this. The Knicks have never teared it all down to rebuild fresh. Yeah, I think they need to. They might need to, right? Because even next year, like you said before, there isn't, there's no marquee free agents next year. It's Anthony Davis and Draymond Green. Okay, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. But all right, <laughs> okay, I think we better wrap up. Okay, hopefully we will got more news next time. Um, see ya. See ya. You've been listening to your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please tweet us at yourfpfp.